That's it. Thank you. <laughs> well, turn to your neighbor and say, today, this morning we'll need help. And I will also need help. You know, uh, I, I speak three languages other than English. And those are the languages that I grew up with. And I think in those languages. And then I speak it, it comes out in English. You hear English, but it goes in and it becomes Kiwi. So, you know, we need help from God to be able to understand each other this morning. So, you know, it's been, it's been a privilege to be part of this house and uh, to, to bring before you what God has put in my heart this morning. And uh, also, the, the whole idea that, you know, when I, when I start sharing, the whole idea is to start to, to, to make you think in a different way. Start to, to shift the thinking so that, you know, you would be able to see uh, scriptures in a different light. God has been good to me. He's, he's shown me some things um, which I want to share with you this morning. Um, the scripture that I want to share from is Romans chapter 8, verse 19. We are very familiar with the scripture, the creation awaits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Creation awaits for the sons of God to be revealed. Wow. There are sons of God sitting here. It's not a gender thing. There are sons of God sitting here. And this morning, I just want to show you, you know, the ways, a few things that God showed me. When I start looking at a scripture, I always think, what is there in it for me? How do I use that in my practical life? How do I apply that in my practical life? So when I look at the scripture, it doesn't tell me, how does that apply to me in practical life? How do I use it in everyday life? So along the way, as I walked, you know, I realized that there are some, 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 some things that, that help me to interpret what the scripture is saying. I've learned that the New Testament is actually explaining the Old Testament. The New Testament reveals what's hidden in the Old Testament. For example, we know the, the Ten Commandments say, you shall not murder. Jesus explains in the New Testament what that means. He says, even if you hate your brother, you're committing murder. So the Old Testament is being revealed in the New Testament. So when I start looking at the scripture, I start thinking, okay, God, what you're telling me is, this scripture has a hidden story somewhere in the Old Testament. Somewhere in the Old Testament, I can look up and I can see how this guy would function in the New Testament. The first thing that I started realizing when I looked at the scripture is, Jesus is the perfect son. He operated in three offices, the most important three offices. He was a priest. He was a king. And he was also a prophet. And based on this, he always moved in the supernatural. He always moved in the supernatural. 
So I started looking in the Old Testament to see if there were some sons of God, people who lived in the Old Testament times but still functioned in the New Testament. People who had an understanding about what it meant to live in this time. I started understanding that Abraham was a man who carried that mantle. He was a prophet. He was a priest. And he was also somebody who understand, understood this because the gospel had been preached to him. You look at he, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Moses knew about Christ. So he was a man who lived in those times but still functioned functioned in things from the, from, the, from the New Testament. David was a man who was a prophet. But still, you look at his vocabulary. It's New Testament vocabulary. You'll find that when David starts to, to, pre, to, to pursue God and do the things that he did, the vocabulary that he used was New Testament vocabulary. So I started understanding that God... In there, I will be able to find things that will help me to function in the New Testament, to function as a son of God, so that the creation that is waiting for the sons to be revealed. In the Old Testament, there were few who functioned in that. In the New Testament, there are churches and churches that function in that role. So I started looking, okay, where can I find some? There are lots of them, but today, this morning, we'll look at the, the life of Samuel. Samuel is a classic example that I want to share from. The book of Samuel has about 31 chapters. The first seven chapters tell us about his establishment as a son of God. The rest of the chapters are all kingdom principles. All of them carry kingdom principles. I've learned more kingdom principles from that book than anything else. There are kingdom principles in there. If you read it like a historical book, yes, there was a, there was a history in it. But the book of Samuel carries kingdom principles that you and I can take and apply in our lives. We all know the story of Samuel. Samuel's, Samuel's dad had had two wives, and Samuel's mom did not have any children. You know, I started reading these scriptures when I was going through a tough time. I had been in this nation for about two years, and I could not break into any, you know, break into the job market. I could not break, break into a place where they would give me an employment based on my skills. And so I was, I was, just, I was just broken. I had... I had made cold calls to all the accounting firms here in, 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 in Hastings. But nobody employed me. And that, in, in that situation, we had to move to White Park because my wife was working there. And I was in that place of brokenness. And I started reading this, and God started speaking to me. The first thing that came across to me was, Hannah was barren. I have known this story for a long time, so I knew that, you know, her barrenness was broken. But suddenly, that word barren got grip of me. I started thinking, what does it mean? What does it mean to be barren? How, do, how does that apply to my life? So I started doing a study on it. 
I started looking into the scriptures to see what does it mean to be barren. The first place I found, yes, barren was not described in the, is not defined the way you and I would look. The first time God speaks about barrenness or unfruitfulness, I started realizing being barren means you, are, you have the potential, but you are not able to produce what you have been created for. God had said, you know, when, when Adam and Eve were, were pushed out of the garden at the fall, he said, no longer will the earth give you the fruit of what you were supposed to get out of it. When Cain and Abel fought, he said the same thing again. And that's where it says that thorns and thistles will start rising up. I found that quite interesting. And so I pursued the study. As I started pursuing that, I thought, okay, let me find out who are the people, who else was barren in the, in the Bible. Interesting enough, I found Sarah was barren. Rachel was barren. Rebecca was barren. Samson's mom was barren. Elizabeth, the, son, the, the mother of John the Baptist was barren. And Hannah was barren. And then this thought came into my mind. When God touches the barrenness that is there in somebody's life, that person impacts the kingdom. One common chain or one common thread that ran through this, all these people was, what came out of, of their barrenness impacted the kingdom in a big way. I started pursuing what did barrenness mean in the Bible. Who else can be barren? So as I started reading, I realized land can be barren. You know, land can be land has the capacity to produce, but it does not produce because it is barren. If we come into the New Testament, it says it's unfruitful instead of barren. It says words can be barren or unfruitful. The word can become unbarren or unfruitful. Our understanding can be unfruitful. The works that we do can become unfruitful. You know what, what shocked me? Deuteronomy 7, 14. It says, I will make sure that your men and women will not be barren. Men being barren? Okay, so I now started connecting. I started realizing that I had the potential of being creative, but I was not being creative anymore. I was not producing what I was supposed to produce. Now I was very interested in the whole, whole, whole idea of barrenness. Because I knew what would come out of it would touch nations. Because I would take it before the Lord and he would touch my barrenness and he would change. He would change me in such a way that I would take into the nations and it would touch the nations. The kingdom always comes out of barrenness. 
I started looking what other areas can be barren. I realized a relationship can be barren. I may have been friends with many people, but nothing productive might have come out of it. I might be in a relationship with my wife, my friend, my parents, but nothing that impacts the kingdom actually comes out of it. My finance may be barren. I might be rich. I'm not saying I'm not rich. But what I'm saying is, my money, the money that I have, is not producing what the impact it is supposed to produce in the community. It is supposed to produce in the kingdom. My finance can be barren. I realized I might be in ministry, but I might be barren. If I am not producing what God has called me to, You know, we, we, we lived in Malaysia for a while and uh, we had a preacher come there. He was preaching. He was preaching that morning and we were rushing to, to get to that place. Being quite prophetic, I heard the Lord say, Sergeant, the meeting is being delayed for two hours because there is a traffic jam. I said, hallelujah. God is so good. So I told Jesse, don't need to rush. We have two hours to reach there. The guy who came to pick us up, I told him, don't worry, sit down, have a meal with us, we'll go in two hours time because the meeting is delayed by two hours. I reached the place, the meeting did not start because it had been delayed by two hours. That place was chock-a-block with people. But suddenly I felt the presence of God come down there. He said, Sajan, can you see my people sitting here? They have been in this place for two hours. They have been waiting. I had told you that the meeting is delayed by two hours because of traffic jam. What did you do with it? You did nothing. I did not tell you about the traffic jam because you are special. It's I love my people. That's why I told you in advance. So that you would pray and the traffic jam would change. The situation in the traffic would change and my meeting would have started. My, my, my people who have come with their children, they have come from far away. You did not understand the agony of my people. I realized I had been barren. I had been sitting on what God had given me. We are a prophetic church. We move in the prophetic. You decide what you do, want to do with it. Do you want to make it fruitful and productive? Or do you want to sit on it? I have found that God can touch and change things. I started looking. I started looking at the keys. What, what, did, what did Hannah do to break the barrenness? Now the interesting thing is, year after year, she has been going to the temple and she has been praying. And every time she went to the temple, the Bible says the other woman would taunt her. She would mock her because of her barrenness. This year, funny enough, when she went, she was in, she was in deep agony. But this time, she gave God what she did not have. She said, God... 
If you give me a child, I will give him back to you. She broke the back of barrenness by generosity. She gave what she did not have. God gave me a rhema word that day. In two weeks' time, I received a phone call saying, can we interview you? I had not contacted them. They contacted me. Because I had got the key to break the barrenness in my life. This is kingdom principle. You know what excited me? The child is born. Samuel is born. Mom brings the child back to to the priest and gives it the, the child to the priest. We do not find the name of the other lady there anymore. The late name of that lady is not mentioned anymore. It's all about Hannah after that. When the sons of God start arriving, the enemy would flee. The enemy would flee. Now Hannah comes there before the priest. And here was a lady who was broken, who was, who was depressed. Suddenly, in the New Testament, we would call this a renewal of the mind. The Old Testament doesn't mention it like that. It just says, she started rejoicing before the Lord. I'll read out a few things to you. You tell me whether that's New Testament language or Old Testament language. This is first, first Samuel chapter 2. Verse 8. Hannah is starting to prophesy and talk about things. And she's saying, He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ashes heap. He seats them like prince and has them inherit a throne of honor or glory. Tell me, is that New Testament language or Old Testament language? Where is she walking? She is in the Old Testament. She is living in the Old Testament. Where is she walking now? She's got a renewed mind. She's starting to talk the talk of Jesus. She's starting to talk the language of God. Let's continue. Verse 9. He will guard the feet of his saints. Saints in the Old Testament? Is it Old Testament or New Testament language now? She's transformed. She's starting to realize who she is really now. She's starting to walk under that anointing which she has not known in the past. Suddenly she has a revelation that is much bigger than she can, that is so big that she cannot hold herself down. And, and listen to the last part. This is verse 10. The last part of it. He will, strength, he will give strength to his king and exalt the, the horns of his anointed. He will... Were there any kings over Israel at that time? No. And who is the anointed one? His anointed one. Who is she pointing at? What transpired between that time when she gave God what she treasured the most to this time? She had a revelation about Jesus. She is starting to prophesy. She is starting to declare the things that are going to come. 
it's amazing it's amazing when god starts opening our eyes to see what's there in the old testament you and i are called to be the sons of god how do we operate in that how do we operate in that now we'll talk about samuel this is how chapter 1 starts now there was a certain man you know it goes on and then he says he was from the tribe of ephraim now samuel is given away as as to the priest and he starts ministering in the tabernacle he's inside the tent he's helping eli to do stuff in the holy of holies and ministering there there is one problem in the old testament only levi and his sons are allowed to enter into that place only aaron's children are enter, allowed to enter into this place so tell me where is samuel functioning from the old testament or the new testament he is in the new testament he is living in old testament times he is living now he had a revelation it just blew my mind when i started realizing these things it says he would lie down before the ark of the covenant every night you know there was a lamp before the before the 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 ark of the covenant and they would allow that lamp to 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 you know to shut it down to sh- for itself to shut down or close or i don't know what to call it it was never to be like that but they did that the command of the lord was it should be should be burning all the time they allowed it to be blown away and samuel would stay there in that presence till it it died he was sleeping in that place he was ministering in that place we worship a god who is bigger than our thinking he is bigger than our thinking chapter 3 starts very interesting in those days the word of the lord was very rare and there were not many visions it was very rare verse 7 says samuel did not know the lord the word of the lord had, had yet not been revealed to him we know the story god calls him three times he hears the first time goes to the fa- goes to eli and says did you call me eli says no i did not call you second time the same thing third time suddenly eli's lights come on he says oh that must be god eli has forgotten how the sound of god would be he has been in the house all these years but he has forgotten what it means to hear the lord suddenly the lights come on and he says next time he calls says here's your servant 
I am your servant. Please talk to me. Verse 10 says, The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times. You know what's interesting? In the Garden of Eden, the Lord will come down. And he would want to talk to his people. In the Old Testament times, all they were allowed to do is come and stand before the, the tent and wave what they had. They were not allowed to come in there into the presence of God. In the New Testament, Jesus comes looking for you and me. I stand at the door and knock. What's happening there? Tell me, is that Old Testament or New Testament? God is coming into that place and is waiting. He wants an encounter with this young man. The sons of God have encounters with God. God will turn up to meet them because they carry something. Who is he? This is how the, the first scripture was. The boy Samuel was ministering. So how old is he? He's a boy. Now God starts talking to Samuel. And he says, I'm going to destroy the family of Eli. You know, Amos 3.7 says, God never does anything without revealing his heart to his servants. What's happening here? The boy is being promoted to be a prophet. He's being promoted to be a prophet. God did not care to look at his age. He did not look at his, his finances. He did not look at his handsomeness. He did not look at any of those things. He just looked at his heart. And he started talking to him. He started revealing the plans that he had. Next day morning, Eli is starting to consult this little boy. Can you tell me what God has been talking to you? And this is how that chapter ends. Verse 20, chapter 3, verse 20. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel has been attested as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord continued to appear at Shehola. And there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. How did the chapter 1 start? Word was never revealed. It had not been revealed. It was rare. Now what is starting to happen? When God finds his son... The word starts coming more frequently. Now the scripture has become alive. And how did God reveal himself to, Daniel, to, to Samuel? He spoke to him personally, but through the word. In those days, what was there? Only five chapters. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Nothing else. And probably Judges. 
Joshua and Judges. So seven chapters. And God started revealing himself to him through the word. And he would have personal encounters with God. This is what, this is what the Bible says about, about Samuel. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 26. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with God and with men. How can I grow in stature before God? I looked up that word. I want to know how can I grow in stature before God. I can grow in stature before men because when I was a small kid, I grew up, so I grew up in stature before men. That word stature there means he grew in size before men. And he grew in size before God. How can one grow in size before God? So when we are the sons of God, we start growing in stature before our God. It's been, it's been a very interesting journey studying this book. I love history. I love reading the book as a historical book. But when I start looking at it, you know, it's like my lights go on. Wow. Now, suddenly, the enemy starts to attack. So when the enemy attacks, Eli is ready to send his sons out with the army. So they go out and fight the battle. Oh, they got a brilliant idea. We can win this battle if we take the Ark of the Covenant with us. So they took the Ark of the Covenant with them. They lost the battle and they lost the Ark of the Covenant. Who is the one who is hearing from God? Samuel. Who is going to fight on behalf of the people of Israel? The one who did not have a relationship with God. For them, it was a ritual. The result is they lost the Ark of the Covenant. Anyway, there's, there, there are other stories related to it and then the Ark of the Covenant comes back. Not once did Samuel try to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into the place. Why? Because he has realized the secret that lay behind the, the relationship with God or being a son. He knew it is based on relationship. It was no longer based on doing some activity. The ark stayed in that place for 20 years. Not once did Samuel do anything to bring it home. It is much later David who brings it back. But David does not bring it back and put it into, the, into that old tent. He puts a new tent and he starts a new thing. He starts worship. There was no provision for worship in the Old Testament in those days. 
and david gets a revelation from god about how worship is to be done how to enter into the presence of god he puts it into a new tent after being there for 20 years not once did samuel say the whole nation knows that it's samuel who is hearing from god not once did he say make me your king he walked in kingdom principles he was not concerned what his position was what his status was he knew who he was he knew he was a son of god and he operated in that suddenly one day he decides okay he calls everybody and says this is chapter 7 chapter 7 verse 3 samuel said to the whole house of israel if you return to the lord with all your heart rid yourself of foreign gods and commit yourself to the lord and serve him only he will deliver you out of the hands of philistines it does not say if you bring a wave offering before the ark of the covenant he says you have to enter into a relationship he did not say make me your leader and then i will help you to overcome he's the job of the prophet is to bring people into relationship with god he starts operating in what he's called to be he says come and encounter god come and encounter god and what that will do for you is it will change it will change your destiny so now they are surrounded by the enemy and when they are surrounded by the enemy suddenly when samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering the philistines drew near to engage the israel in battle but that day the lord thundered with a loud thunder against the philistines and drew them into such a panic that they were routed before the israelites suddenly god is in the house what brought him down it was one man who started operating in the office of being a son one man who stood up and said hey it's about relationship with god come and bring your heart before him come and bring yourself before him don't be diverted by what is being done outside come into a relationship with him god turns up and when god turns up thunder come turns in as well we have we serve an overcoming god it does not matter what the barrenness is it does not matter what the problem is he can come and and break it open
verse 13 says the philistines were subdued and did not invade the israelite territory again he did not invade their territory again when people start functioning in their office as the sons of god the enemy would not dare to come into that place again one man who changed the destiny of a nation there are many sitting here who are destiny changers we are not an ordinary people we are called to be priest we are called to be prophets we are called to be kings you and i can change the destiny of this nation you and i can change the economy of this city you and i can change everything that concerns our nation you and i can go into nations and shift and transform that place but something has to happen before that you have to come to a place where you start realizing about the barrenness because what comes out of the barrenness is what will break and change the destiny let's take a few seconds to just to think what area would you want to take before god today saying god i have sat on this for many many years i have been mocked the enemy has mocked me again and again about this area today i want to give you i have asked you to intervene on my behalf but today i want to give you what is so much desired by me I want to break the power of that barrenness of my life. I wonder if there is anybody here who is not who does not know this God who can break the barrenness. I wonder How, would it not be great to know this god who can break the barrenness and make you productive if you have never connected with this god who can break the barrenness this is a good time it's not worth carrying on the way you have been carrying on if that's you and you want to give your heart to the lord that's what we say If you want to connect with this God who can break the barrenness of your life this is a good time 